Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 14, Injustice for All. Mary, what happened this week? Everyone made me mad. Brandon pretends he didn't do stuff with Emily at her hotel, but also lies to Kelly about where he is to go back to that same hotel. Kelly talks to Dylan and doesn't want Dylan to tell Brandon, but Dylan's like, nah, I'm gonna tell. Dylan tells Brandon it's super obvious he's lying about having nothing to hide regarding Emily. Emily secretly goes and talks to Kelly and tells her that Brandon is in love with her, so everything's just fine, I guess. Except also Kelly has some pretty painful-looking burns, and Jackie's being super pushy about wanting her to have that modeling career Kelly doesn't want. In other better news, Dylan gets to go home from rehab, where Cindy and Val greet him with a cake decorated to look like embroidery. Cindy didn't make me mad. Dylan gets a letter from Michigan, which has Erica's note to him that she left in the airport, and now he knows that Suzanne and Kevo took her to Brazil. Ray asks Donna to come work with him selling Christmas trees where he proceeds to be a dick to her the whole time. Griffin and Steve get in a lot of trouble for burning that house down, but then they don't because Griffin dad, Griffin's dad pays a lot of money to make it all disappear. The boys plead no contest to a lesser charge and settle out of court with the people who were injured in the fire. They're sentenced to two years probation, 100 community service hours, and a $1,000 fine. Oh, also, they're not allowed to throw parties for profit for the next two years. Despite everything, Steve finds this absolutely unacceptable. David uses his one line this episode to be a dick to Donna. Oh, and Andrea and Jesse didn't make me mad either. They celebrate Hanukkah and Jesse offers legal representation to a person in need. And Jesse calls Steve out on his white privilege. Yes. Yeah, let's be real. Jesse's a real hero of this episode. He really is. Okay, yeah. Do we want to go, uh, like, Kelly and Brandon first? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because he's kind of, like, independent. They're both kind of independent from everybody, so I think that makes the most sense. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm kind of thinking, like, we'll follow Mary's cues. Cool. Because, I mean, truly, the episode, like, opens on them anywhere. We're back at Cedar sinai Hospital. They're, you know, David's doing his whole, like, can you believe it? 12 hours ago they were dancing and now they're in intensive care, which is mm-hmm. setting the stage of like this is literally the next day. Presumably Brandon went home, was immediately told about this, comes to the hospital. And yeah, Donna's like, I got burned once and David's just like, that's nothing. Yeah, he's immediately like on the make Donna feel stupid train, which I want to say it was either last episode or the episode before. At one point recently – I was like, oh, maybe I like this new David because with Claire, he's like, he doesn't try to make her feel dumb. He doesn't insult her intelligence. Like, he doesn't really insult her at all. He goes along with her quirkiness. But that just tells me it's David who sucks and changes himself, like, depending on whoever he's with, right? So apparently he's not learned how to be a better dude. He still sucks to Donna. Yeah, I think if this episode has taught me anything, it's that there is no growth in 90210. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody 
that had actual growth. I mean, I guess you could say Dylan just because he's literally been in rehab this whole time, but we don't know any of like, we're not in the wiser at this point. We don't, cause he just got home. Yeah. I mean, he even says in this episode, like he's scared about getting out because he's got to like do these check-ins with himself to make sure he doesn't check back into rehab. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we end up, you know, going into Kelly's hospital room where she's getting kind of bandaged up. You can tell there's burns on her arms and on her neck, like right around her ears, mm-hmm. which like ugh, burned ears. Poor baby. I mean, yeah. Burned anything. But I remember this one time. I don't know if I've told you guys this story before, but <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. But in college, it was like sophomore year. <clears throat> like sophomore year and I was being a classic college student and making my little ramen noodles in my microwave right so that water gets pretty dang hot so I'm taking it out of the microwave and because I can't be bothered to set the bowl down and then close the microwave I decide oh I can close it with my elbow while I have the steaming hot boiling water like in my hands So when I do that, it jostles the bowl, predictably so, and the hot water like pours like on one of my hands. So it's like burned like right on top of where my thumb and like finger, index finger come together. I'm telling you guys, that's the worst burn I've ever had. It was so like everything was uncomfortable. I couldn't sleep because just the air was uncomfortable on that burn. And that was like a first degree burn, like not a bad burn. I mean, it hurt real bad, but I don't think it was anywhere, anywhere, anywhere close to fire. And I remember like that first night I had lofted beds, but we had a futon and I slept on the futon and put a glass of cold water next to the futon and tried to stick my hand in it to sleep. I ended up knocking it over immediately, but <laughs> but hey, I tried, and I kept getting up to refill the cup of water, and I just kept spilling it, because <laughs> I'd sleep and move, and yeah, anyway. But yeah, burns are the worst. Yeah. I can't imagine being that badly burned. Oh, I know, and Not like, this is like small, right? Yeah. You know, like, she wakes up, she's talking to the nurse, the nurse is like, oh, she won't actually tell her what's wrong, but she's like, oh, yeah, Allison's fine. She's just right down the hall. You can go see her whenever. Mm-hmm. And then we cut outside to where Jackie's talking to Brandon and is just like, oh, my God, Allison is going to be scarred for life and needs multiple skin grafts. Thank God Kelly was lucky. Yeah. Like, which tells me, because I think later in the episode, Kelly basically thanks Allison for saving her. And that tells me, like, yeah, Allison went full firefighter <laughs> mode and just shielded Kelly from all of this which is such a heroic thing to do um, and probably just adrenaline just piping through both their veins the whole time oh absolutely uh, and also fun fact there was like a slow pan up to that IV bag I saw an expiration date of December 1987 so oh no I didn't realize fluids could go bad but apparently they can. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was like almost a decade. Yeah. It literally said like it was backwards, but it said DEC 87. I was like, oh that's an expiration date. I know it because I routinely check my pantry. <laughs> <laughs> 
I imagine that's one of those things that like it's been sitting in the prop closet and everyone is just like, no one will ever notice this. We'll never get to a point that there will be like HD and pausing and like, <laughs> right. all this stuff. Because, yeah, back in 1995, you know, if you had a VCR that you could have recorded this on, you know, it would have been the thing where you pause it and it gets the like grainy, like wavy mm -hmm. stuff. For sure. Yeah. So they just <laughs> never thought about it. But no, 2021, we got them. We found them out. <laughs> I feel like we should just like email CBS and just be like, excuse me. I want to go to like IMDb and under the like like goofs section, <laughs> put it there for this episode. I feel like we should just start contributing to that kind of stuff with every single time we see something. Because the very next thing, when Brandon goes to go into Kelly's room, well, well boom, Mike. Dang it, I missed it. I feel like two out of three of us get it every time. <laughs> yeah. We can never all see it. Yeah. I wrote, Boomy came to check on Kelly. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. I'm not yeah. mad at him this episode. Boomy didn't make me mad. Boomy has been <laughs> consistently in the hospital just taking care of everyone. Oh, sweet Boomy. Yeah. And they're very clearly in the exact same set that we have been using over and over and over again for every single person in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember exactly what Brandon says to Kelly, but he uses the word perfect. Oh, when they're back at home? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Kelly comes home. Jackie's annoying the crap out of her. Da uh, David and Claire are supposed to be watching her, I guess. But later on, Brandon comes to visit. And, yeah, he says like you'll be back to perfect in no time or something like that i didn't write down the exact verbatim but it was something like you'll be back to perfect as if she was before yeah i just wrote down that he said perfect because i remember like this is kind of a, a running theme they have with kelly like the perfect mom episode perfectly perfect like mm -hmm. kelly does not like being called perfect she does not like being put on that pedestal because then she feels like she's expected to perform right right Exactly. The expectations are too high and she hates it. Yeah. And then they have this little conversation where she already is like, oh, well, Brandon, it wasn't your fault. Like, whatever. And Brandon's kind of guilty. He's like, oh, but it wouldn't have happened if I was there. And then he lies and tells Kelly that he was at the airport, not at Emily's room. Ugh, I know. He literally said at the airport. Yeah. And, like, they just keep trying to play this off. Like, it's a little while later when he goes to see Emily and says, like, I didn't tell her. And Emily's, well, Emily's like, well, timing is everything. Like, you don't want to hurt her feelings. It's totally fine. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's one of those things, like, I think every television show does is have one character have to tell another character something really upsetting. They're going, they're about to go tell them and then boom, something else happens, right? Like something equally or, or more devastating than the thing that they had to originally tell them. So they delay telling them and it's like always the situation. Well, why didn't you tell me? Because you were going through this thing and this happened and it just wasn't the right time. There never is the right time. Like it just writes itself. So yeah, the answer is always tell them immediately. Always come clean. Just tell them immediately. Yeah. I mean, you know. Kind of like jumping real far ahead, we get to the end of this episode 
And Kelly never finds out how many times Brandon and Emily have very passionately kissed. Yep. And I'm like, which would she hate more? Finding this out while she's in the hospital or finding out that you kept this from her and that she was leaning on you this whole time and you've been lying to her? Because it's one thing, yeah, if like immediately after it happened, sure, Kelly got massively burned, has a whole bunch of trauma. But she still asks about Emily. Like, she literally asks Brand. She puts it on a silver platter for him to tell the truth, and he doesn't. So the fact that then he not only just delayed telling her in general that it was longer than a four-over layover, but he sees her, like, three more times. So you're telling me you think it's better to wait to tell her that you saw her not once, not twice, not three, but four times, kissed twice or maybe more that we didn't see, and told her you love her. And did you notice <sighs> at the end of the episode when they go to make up, Kelly tells him that she loves him and he just kisses her he, in return and doesn't say it back? Yes, 100%. And sometimes I don't know if that's just like part of the writing because that right. sometimes happens, but circumstantial right here. That's the thing. Like, I honestly thought nothing of it when I watched it. Like, I wrote it down, but I was like, Brandon keeps doing a thing. Like, we've seen it episode and episode and episode where people will ask him a question and then rather than just answer it or, like, say the thing that he should say, mm -hmm. he, like, does something else. Right. Like, that is a Brandon thing. But then, yeah, hearing him tell Emily Valentine that he loves her and kissing her multiple times and telling all these people that he feels guilty about what he's doing and then continues to do it. I think that's my problem is like I can understand somebody being conflicted or having conflicting feelings about somebody and I can even understand, um, you know, making a mistake and kissing them or making a mistake and saying something that you're like in the heat of the moment with. Like I, I can understand that. But it was the fact that he was telling everybody else that he felt awful about it, lied to Kelly about it, but then continued doing it. That's when it's a problem. Right. Yeah. One kiss mistake. Two kisses, very intentionally cheating. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, I guess it's fair. We can't put Kelly through a bunch of different things at once because she finally wants to go and see Allison and Boomy comes with her. <laughs> and Allison is literally covered head to toe in bandages. Like she is like mummified. Mm-hmm. Which, is that right? So, probably not. But in my <laughs> mind, they were like, we don't have enough time or, like, it's not worth it to do put makeup on to make you look burned all over your body. So, we're just going to cover it and show in the spaces, like, tip of your nose, under the eyes. Like, we're just going to show the little pieces. <laughs> Truly, I think my favorite part of her, like, whole mummy thing was that one little strand that went across her nose. I was like, why oh is that God. even there? I know. You don't just, just do the nose. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, you can tell the difference in the makeup budget for this show as opposed to, like, what ER was. Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> uh -oh. But, yeah, and then, like, they kind of recount the story a little bit, not in a lot of detail, but just enough to basically say that Kelly, um, 
you know, was thanking Allison for saving her because like they like she wouldn't be alive without her and blah, blah, blah. But then we learn a little bit more about Allison that that um, the Lord's Prayer in the previous episode wasn't just for show or wasn't just in, you know, crisis mode. It was no, she actually believes that God got Kelly and her out of there. Yeah. She says, God put you in that fire and God brought you out. And Mm -hmm. I am very curious to see if like Kelly goes through some sort of religious awakening. Yeah. Because I mean, that happens after traumatic experiences, like especially, you know, I imagine if you're with someone like Allison who has such strong faith, like Allison has to be in so much pain right now. And she is just like talking cheerfully and is just like, God is going to take care of us. Like that has to affect you. Oh, 100%. And I could either see it going that way where she almost has like a spiritual and religious awakening or just completely goes the opposite direction and doubts and very much is like, why would this happen? Like, because I think the important point here is not that Allison said that God only saved them, but he was also responsible for them being in the in the fire. So I think that's the piece that gets me. It's like, if she had just said, oh, he saved us, then Kelly would be like, oh my God, you're right. But the fact that she said he also put them in that situation, I could see Kelly being like, well, what kind of a merciful God is this? You know, the kind that would put you in pain and suffering. I think she even says something like that later on, um, just to then pull you out of it. And obviously somebody like Allison would probably say, oh, well, he tests you and it's a test of your strength and your faith and like, la, 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 la. Mm-hmm. But Kelly doesn't seem to think that. <laughs> Not now. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, I have no idea if this will come up again later or something. It just, it felt very pointed that they would have, like, Allison be so religious about it. Because she could have just literally never shown up again. Like. Totally. They had no reason to keep her on this. They could have been, like, she's so badly burned. And then, like, just put somebody in that costume and mm-hmm. then had them be, like, she's asleep. Like. Right. We're keeping her asleep because she's in so much pain. You can't talk to her. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, because this is when Kelly gets to go home and we get to see Brandon at the Maccabee Center, I guess, for Hanukkah. And I started laughing so hard at all of them being like, thank you so much, Mr. Student Body President. The press wants some pictures of you. Again, it's that thing of how important is the student body president? Like, <laughs> so important. Like, they literally act like he's some sort of figurehead here. <laughs> yeah, they ask him to stick around so that he can be seen at this event while his girlfriend, who was just in a fire that he should be guilty about leaving, is somewhere Wild. else. And he's even like, okay, fine, let me go call her. But then, like, yeah, stays. Oh, my God. I cannot. I cannot with that. Yeah. And I know Kelly was being, like, supportive girlfriend of the president or whatever and being like, (laughs) no, I'm fine. But then we go to the beach apartment where, like, Donna is leaving for the night, but Jackie and David are there to take care of Kelly. And Donna says to David to make sure they don't do anything strenuous. And, of course, David says, well, I don't think she's planning on rearranging any furniture tonight rather than just being like, Okay, I won't. Yeah. So that kind of stuff usually makes me very mad when people say stuff like that, where it's like you could literally just say, yeah, got it. Like even just grunts in my general direction and I'll be fine. (laughs) 
instead of making a comment like that. I'm like, okay, well, you think you got it handled? Fine. Goodbye. And it's just like, I just don't know if he would have said that to anybody but Donna, but he always has to be mean to Donna. Mm-hmm. And poor Donna. Like, we'll talk about it later, but man, she gets shit on this episode. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and... It's also when Jackie's here, and she's just, like, she's being real annoying. She's not reading the room at all. She's not letting her daughter rest. Like, she's very insistent, number one, that Kelly settles, you know, and gets compensated for her damages. But she's also, like, fielding modeling calls um, to try to get Kelly back on track. She's even said, like, oh, so-and-so is ready to meet you when you're back on your feet or when you're ready or something like that. Finally, Kelly's had enough, and she's like, I am never modeling again. She's like, like, hear me loud and clear. I am not doing this. Yeah, and this is kind of the same thing of, like, there's no growth. Like, Jackie should not be pushing her this far. And she, like, Kelly has just been through a very traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Like, let her sit, let her physically heal first. It's been under 24 hours. Well, and like we saw them a few episodes ago have that really good heart-to-heart about why modeling is trigger triggering, you know, not just for Kelly about her mom, but Kelly about herself. And to your point, it's like we just forgot about that. We just left that in a few episodes ago. And, you know, I could understand Jackie maybe wanting to salvage the modeling career to a degree, but... In a way that's like, look, my daughter, like almost taking control of the situation and saying my daughter will heal when she heals. And however she comes out, if you're not interested in her, then shame on you. You know what I mean? Like if she does have a scar here or a scar there and you don't think she's acceptable, then that's your problem kind of deal. But not this way. This way is like the exact opposite way of how she should react. Yeah, I think it's like it's later in the episode, but it's not that much later time-wise, like maybe a day or two later that like Kelly is already supposed to be going to see a plastic surgeon, which might be right for like actually healing for scarring, but I Mm -hmm. don't think so. And also again, traumatic experience, Kelly has self body image issues. Like she needs to be able to handle this on her own. I think it was just all too much for one person to hand for the victim to handle yeah like she says to brandon at some point she's like i'm tired and i'm in pain all the time and i'm like yeah you are mm-hmm. you should get like a weekend uh, yeah exactly like have david and claire or brandon just be there just literally be in the same facility as you so that if you actually need something you can call for help but you don't need somebody all up on you trying to chat you up and trying to make you do things you don't want to do Yeah, I mean, even when she's going to leave the hospital, she's like, what if my bandages fall off? Mm -hmm. And Jackie's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, it's. I just feel like it's too much pushing from Jackie. It's too much. Too much. Yeah. But, I mean, instead of even going to see Kelly, where she is struggling so much with her mom, Brandon goes to the hotel, which, damn, Emily is in the Belle Lodge. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, living large. Seriously. Like, 
This girl was supposed to have like a four week layover or something, right? <laughs> I think it was one week, but originally four four hours. Okay. Yeah. But still, a week in the Bellage would have been really exp- like Dylan lived there, and that was supposed to show how rich he is. And now exactly. Emily's just there. <laughs> that was the only hotel set they could get on short notice, I guess. I, why did they even have to show that outside of it? We know what the hotel's hallway is. True. Very true. You know what? Also, when Brandon got off that elevator and was, like, walking in the hallway, I had a thought, like, just of a, a fashion trend in the 90s that was, like, Big Pants really did nothing to help his little short stature back then. But if he were wearing, like, straight leg jeans with, like, a tucked-in shirt, you know, then a sport, a fitted sport coat, not, in, like, a oversized one, he, would, he wouldn't look as short. He would look pretty normal, but here, because he's in big clothes, <laughs> he looks little. Oh, yeah. He's I just bet. a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's acting like a dumb little kid here. Oh, my God. He's such a child. <laughs> when He, like, <sighs> makes small talk about the mini bar, but calls it the honorable bar, I guess. And it took me a minute to get that. I was like, is he trying to make a metaphor here? And then I was like, oh, yeah, because... Technically, if you get something out of it, you have to pay for it. So I guess I get it. But, but why? He <laughs> says he wishes it was stocked with truth, justice in the American way. <laughs> what? Like, if I was Emily Valentine, I would have been like, you know what? Actually, I think my flight's leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. My flight's boarding. I have to go. <laughs> Well, and they just keep talking and he finally admits guilt to her, but he's still sticking around. He's still here. And Emily literally says next, she says, okay, let me get this straight. Your girlfriend is in the hospital with serious injuries and you choose to be less than 100% honest about a subject that could be potentially very upsetting. Is that an accurate statement? Pause. Because this is literally where I paused in the show to write that all down and i'm thinking oh emily's gonna talk some sense into him play don't beat yourself up about it timing is everything i know (laughs) what like i get that brandon is the protagonist and like he's supposed to be going through this like do i pick kelly or do i pick emily but man emily i just (laughs) Ooh, I just had a thought. Remember later on when she ends up going to see Kelly and they have a conversation and Kelly says something about, well, I guess you have changed. Mm-hmm. She's not changed. She's she's just changed in some ways. She's grown up a little bit, but she's not changed her stripes because this part of her, the, the part that's like, mm, whatever, don't worry about it. You shouldn't feel guilty about cheating with your, on your girlfriend with me because you loved me once. This is high school Emily coming out. This is the same old Emily that we've always known, the kind that would just randomly drug someone and want to go to a party and go to a rave and have a good time and light things on fire. The thing is, she sought professional help for this, but that just shows you you never really get over stuff. Like you might get past it and you might be able to cope with it, but some stuff just never leaves you. And yeah, that's a really good point because I do feel like when you, you know, like Emily seeking professional help probably like, you know, helped her figure out her moods or like stabilized her, you know, did something. But the thing is, 
like the idea behind professional help is that you get help for the issues you have, but you still feel all your feelings. Like they don't right. want to kill all your feelings. So like, yeah, Emily probably got all the help that she wanted and just learned like, okay, I don't need to do drugs. I don't need to set things on fire. But like that's – she's still like in that middle part, just not the like huge extremes. Exactly. Exactly. And she loves Brandon. So, of course, she would want to do whatever she could to either get him to choose her or even just favor her, you know? Well, and this could even have been something that, like, you know, she's been working through her feelings with her therapist or, you know, whatever, and thinking, like, I think Brandon might have been the love of my life. I have to shoot my shot. Right. 100%. Yeah. There is zero growth. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It is wild. I didn't even think about it with Emily, too, but you are so right. (laughs) Well, we get a whole bunch of scenes from other stories, so I'm kind of going to, like, skip ahead to the next time we see Brandon, which is when he's coming to take Emily – or take Kelly to (laughs) the plastic surgeon. Right. And she, like – she doesn't want to go to the plastic surgeon. She just want to talk to Brandon, and she's even like, I don't want to talk about me. Let's talk about you. Which is when he finally admits to her that Emily did not have a four-hour layover and she is still in L.A. She starts crying, rightfully so. She gets upset. She's like, what the heck is going on? But then she's like, it was no big deal. Don't worry. I think she actually says no big deal. I wrote NBD, but I'm pretty sure she said no big deal. Because she's so focused on her pain, you know? Yeah. She says, like, maybe I look worried because I'm in constant pain and I was caught in a fire. Yeah. And then, yeah, I will, she tells them I to will, leave. Yeah. And, and I will say, like, Jenny Garth crushed this scene. I mean, of course she did. Like, yeah. Right? Like, any am kind I shocked? Of, no. Yeah. Any kind of major emotional scene, she really crushes. But I think what what to me was was – so great about that scene is that she could have easily taken the script to say go more intense than she did but she almost did like a subtle I'm tired kind of emotion rather than a I'm mad I'm upset I'm furious I'm you know jealous I'm this that and the other it was very much like I don't have time and I don't care enough about this right now maybe once I feel better sure I'll care about it but right now I just want to forgive you because I'm in so much pain. And it was excellent. Yeah. I mean, I love it all. I even love, yeah, when she tells him to leave and he's like, I'll call you later. And she's like, you don't have to. Yeah. Like, she is just exhausted. And he's like insistent. I'll call you later. It's mm. Of course he is. But you know what? She She doesn't call Brayden in. She doesn't talk to Brandon. She calls Dylan. And this is interesting to me. Here's this is I literally had this thought when this was happening. This is a Brenda move. Dylan okay. and Kelly never had this kind of emotional relationship when they dated. When they were friends, they'd lean on each other a lot. They because they've known each other for forever. Brenda and Dylan had this kind of relationship. Their entire relationship, even when Brenda was with Stuart or when Brenda was 
acting. I mean, think about it. All the stuff with the school play, like she would lean, Dylan was her friend. Dylan is an excellent friend. He's a bad boyfriend, <laughs> but he's a good friend. And so I think that's probably why, another reason why I don't ship Deli because they're better as friends. And I think that scene showed it. The fact that she would call him. Right. And like, yeah, it's very not like a romantic conversation. It's very much like I'm really struggling with this thing with Brandon and I don't know what to do. I'm calling my friend to get some advice. Exactly. And what's crazy is like Dylan has his own stuff, obviously, because he's in rehab, but he still makes time for her because I think he still does have a little bit of a savior in him. But I think he also still has a soft spot for Kelly. And based on, I think it's really noble of Dylan to still take that on because based on the last couple of episodes, he was very clearly like, we can't be around each other. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like last episode that he was like, yeah, it really hurts that you're dating Brandon. Exactly. But I mean, this time he's, he's very zen about mm-hmm. all of this. Like he he tells her to relax. He tells her to let it happen. He tells her, you know, if you just let go of everything, it will play itself out. Exactly. And then Brandon shows up and Dylan ends up in this weird like middle place or at least Kelly tries to put him in one where she's like don't tell Brandon what I was talking about. And Dylan was like I I'm not going to keep secrets. Like I can't mm-hmm. lie. That's not happening. Well, and he even says, like, secrets are what got him in there in the first place. So that's good. He's taking his learnings and applying it to real life. <laughs> I know. It's just, like, it makes total sense to me that both of them would go to him. Well, yeah. I guess to an extent it doesn't make sense because we haven't seen Brandon and Dylan be BFFs in a while. Uh, but, I mean, it is kind of interesting that both of them went to talk to him about the other. Yeah, and I think probably the most appropriate person he would have gone to would be Andrea, but probably for transition's sake, they're like, we we need a middle ground here or a third-party mm-hmm. perspective that's not super biased one way or the other, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was totally fine with it. Like, I, oh, actually, yeah. I actually really like this scene between Brandon and Dylan where, like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but they're like talking about Kelly in the fire and Brandon keeps talking. And then Dylan's just like, oh, by the way, she told me about Emily Valentine. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it was interesting how he kind of played, not played, because I think it was genuine, but he kind of played his part with both of them because he wasn't judgy. He was just like, so Emily Valentine, huh? And with Kelly, he's just like, hey, it's okay. Like, like, just relax it'll be okay you know it's like he played the probably the right part for both people yeah there there was one little part I don't know I feel like I keep going back to this just because of Kelly's like history of self-image issues but Brandon makes this comment where he's like I don't know how to handle her self-image problem I mean her face isn't that bad I was like why would you say it like that Again, that just – or maybe not again. Maybe I just thought this once before. But this is just a time where Brandon doesn't understand the point, right? And that's totally common for this age group, especially, you know, as young as they are. They're still, like, 19, 20 years old. So 
is not out of the realm of possibility that Brandon wouldn't, what did I just say? Is not out of the realm of possibility that Brandon like wouldn't understand this because he thinks it's all about her self image. It's not like she, like, yeah, sure. She cares about looking pretty, but she's in pain, dude. Like she's afraid that she's going to have these burns forever. Not because she thinks it's going to make her less look less pretty, but it's probably because it's going to be a reminder of the trauma. Like, and, and so I'm yelling, but I'm not really mad at Brandon for not understanding, but that was a gross thing to say. <laughs> and and that's like, I feel like you can kind of yell about it because it's just frustrating. Yeah. It's just like everyone keeps talking to Kelly about how she looks. And she's just like, I'm tired. Yeah. She's not some vapid, like, I don't, I don't know, like shallow person. She, <sighs> yeah, I think I'm more mad, less mad at Brandon and less mad at Jackie than I am just about. The fact that, I mean, I am mad at them. It, it's so complicated because it's right. like, I understand where they're coming from in the sense that like, I, I can see how you go there, but also give Kelly more credit here. I think that's what I'm more mad at is that Kelly is not being taken for what a great person and kind of deep person that she is. She's just kind of left to think, oh my God, all she cares about her looks. This fire that she was trapped in a downstairs bathroom for must have really fucked up her image of her looks. Like, that can't, surely that's not the only thing that's wrong. Like, um, yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, we kind of glossed over it earlier, but like the first time that Kelly goes home to the beach apartment and Jackie's there, uh, Steve's lawyer calls because he wants her to like get a statement or settle or, you know, do something to help Steve out. And Jackie keeps being like, no, you can't do that. And Kelly's like, I'm not going to hurt Steve. And Jackie won't listen to her. Exactly. That's the thing is I think nobody's really listening and understanding and trying to understand the point. And that's what's so frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, I guess kind of bringing it back to this scene, like, you know, Brandon keeps trying to say that, like, there's nothing going on with Emily Valentine. It's not anything to need to worry about. And Dylan is just like, have you ever read Shakespeare, Brandon? <laughs> And Methinks doth protest too much. Oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I do doth. You doth. You doth. Ugh. <laughs> I love when they're little friends. I know. It's it's good chemistry, is what it is. Um, but then like he literally goes he learns nothing from Dylan, goes to the hotel again, and now he suddenly had this whole intense like feelings go on in his head where he's like I, I hate that you're leaving like and then says he loves her and they make out and it's just all cheating and all I wrote was that I hate it I hate it I hate it yeah he asks her he's like am I a low and vile creature for wanting you to stay and she's like well you can't ask me that do you want me to stay so apparently you can ask him but he can't ask you I just <laughs> like I feel like he literally just said like I want you to stay I just yeah. said that but yeah, no, this is like legit cheating. He hasn't learned anything. Yeah. And I guess like because of the con like conflicting feelings or at least just like the lies and the guilt, maybe that sparks Emily to think, hmm, what should I do right now? Oh, hmm, I should go to Kelly's and talk to her and clear things up. 
I'm actually legitimately surprised that Kelly even entertained this conversation. Same. But again, it's because she's so sick of this. Like, just let her rest. Right? I feel like she's like, fine, whatever. Say what you want and then you can leave. And then like, you know, Emily says, oh, I'm still in love with Brandon, but he's in love with you. So I'm, you know, going to bow out gracefully, whatever. You don't even need to tell him I was here. Like, it this one I feel like is a weird insertion into the relationship like I wasn't necessarily against Dylan but Emily just like showing up and being like hey Kelly I'm leaving it was fine bye yeah I just I've been trying to like rack my brain and figure out something I can like understand or empathize with but you're just inserting yourself into a situation that you don't need to insert yourself at all it's like y'all don't need to be cool with each other no. You don't need you don't need to hate each other, but you also don't need to be cool. Like I yeah, I mean they could honestly go along with the rest of their lives never thinking about each other and I'd be fine with it. Like you just don't yeah. need to. And exactly. honestly, Emily inserting herself into the situation is what caused the problem in the first place. So like true. Maybe just leave. But whatever she says, I guess fixes it and then Brandon shows up at Kelly's door with roses. She says, I love you. He kisses her back instead of saying it. And then she says, like, I just want you to be here while I fall asleep. And he finally gets that she just needs someone there. She doesn't need anything else, I guess. So at least she got (laughs) what she needed at the end, but she still doesn't know they kissed. Or potentially had sex, so... Yeah, I really, like, I feel pretty confident that, like, if they didn't do it, they got really close to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, the reason they wouldn't have is if they didn't have a condom. Yeah. That's all I got. Like. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if they didn't have a condom and they did it and then, like, Emily shows up next season I wouldn't count anything out. I I don't know what to say. I lot like I distracted myself. <laughs> I just got really excited. You're like, is there a Bremily baby on the way? <laughs> oh my god, could you? she shows up and it's like she has this baby and she's like, I'd like you to meet Brandon. <laughs> Brandon Jr. If it's a girl, she names her Kelly. I thought I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god, I would lose my mind. Be ridiculous. It would I be cannot. so funny. But I mean, yeah, that's that's the end of Kelly and Brandon. Um should probably go to Steve next. Oh goodness, poor just because not really... poor Steve. Not yeah. poor Steve. Yeah. Ugh. Cause yeah, the first time we see Steve. I actually did feel a little bad for him because they're at his dad's lawyer's office and the lawyer is like Griffin's dad is like Mr. Stone is going to take care of everything. But then I felt so bad because I was like Steve has to be here and deal with all the legal ramifications of something that was not his fault truly while one of his best friends is in the hospital and he can't go see her. I mean he even looks scruffy like he had like a five o'clock shadow going on and he was so sad and then on top of it it's like jail time like community service like he hears all these words and like settlement personal injury and like you know all this kind of stuff and and all he hears from the lawyer is like 
no, they have to pull through. Like they have to survive. And Steve's like, well, yeah, they're going to survive. You know, like it's very emotional for him. Cause he's like, all he's only thinking about Kelly. He's like, why do I have to be here? I want to go see Kelly. Yeah. And his lawyer and frankly, his dad too, I feel like are both just yeah. like, no, she literally has to survive. So you don't get charged with manslaughter. You just get charged with disturbing the peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a house fire is disturbing the peace. Oh, I'm so sorry that I lit a whole house on fire. My bad. Like, (laughs) right? Like, it just seems so, like, weird. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I'm sure they pled down, whatever. But then he goes to Keg instead of the hospital, which I still feel like he should have gone to the hospital. And he probably could have. Like, uh, yeah, I think could have and should have and probably would have if we know Steve, you know. Right. But instead... They have him go to Keg where Eduardo is, which I guess makes sense. But, like, if I was Eduardo, I'd feel so awkward. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I would, but Eduardo he, does not. <laughs> yeah. He, like, comes right up to Steve and is like, hey, I had to pay up front for all that food. Like, I'd really like to get paid for last night. Mm-hmm. And Steve just starts yelling at him about how rich boy Steve is out so much money because all of his equipment got destroyed. And then he throws a money clip at Eduardo. Like talk about of like rich man attack. Oh yeah. This was like the first instance of this episode where we really see rich boy, Steve's privilege shine through and how he treats other people and specifically people of color or in service, Mm -hmm. which is horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's like the I feel like the show oozes white privilege on its own all the time. But then, yeah, Griffin like walks in and I think he's even like drinking a beer. Like he's totally casual about this, even though a house burned down and two people almost died. And he's like, whatever, my dad's getting us out of it. Yeah, like classic, again, rich kid who's like, whatever, mommy or daddy will handle it. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember – I might cut this out just because, I like, it's going to take me forever to remember the name if you don't. The kid who, like, drunk drove and, like, killed people – Affluenza. Do you remember that kid? He, like – he got into a car accident and, like, really hurt people and then he got off on, like, probation for, like, manslaughter or something because of affluenza because he was too affluent to understand there were consequences to his actions. I think his mom, like, took him to Mexico or something to, like, recover yeah. from, like, being so scared about being arrested or some shit. Oh, my God. That's Griffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is absolutely Griffin and Mr. Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't even get, like, Griffin's dad's actual name. We just get he's Mr. Stone. Yeah. This is very, like, my father will hear about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next thing, like... Steve is still really upset about this. Still doesn't go see Kelly. Mm -hmm. He goes to see Val at uh, the Walsh's house. And this is where we find out that it's not actually disturbing the peace. It's malicious mischief, trespassing, and vandalism. Which is a lot of things. It's a lot. It honestly makes a lot more sense than disturbing the peace. Yeah. And then Val says that she's basically willing to perjure herself. To help him out, which is, like, a big choice to make. <laughs> yeah. I think it's wild because, like, on the one hand, 
I think Val is trying to show Steve her like commitment and loyalty to get back in his good graces. And she has to know he wouldn't ask her to do that. So it's like a big gamble, though, on those two things. She is so sincere about it. She's like, I will literally say whatever you want me to say (laughs) to get you out of this. And he's like, so what you're saying is our argument is that I was too busy having sex with you to understand a house was going to catch fire. Yep. Pretty. She's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds, she's sounds a good meme. Airtight alibi right there. <laughs> oh, I love wow. how then he's like, you're a piece of work, Valerie. I love anytime somebody calls somebody a piece of work. It's like one of my favorite things. I don't know why. I just love it. And I, like, I don't know. This, this scene gave me a little bit of hope because like he's not going for it. He goes downstairs. He tells Brandon how upset he is about Kelly. And he says like he's ready to take responsibility for all this stuff and that realizing that for himself is what let him sleep. So he knows he has to take responsibility for all of this. It's like I had this little bit of hope. I agree. I I do agree. And especially like kind of how different Rush is being about all this, his dad, you know, it, it helps that Steve is not just doing whatever he says, you know? But I also thought it was hilarious how he's like, I don't even know if she even knows how much I love her, how much I care about her. And Brandon's like, dude, you tell her all the time. <laughs> I'm sure she knows. Like, like literally, yeah, we all know. He's like, I know. He's like all of us. He's like, yeah, Steve, we get it. <laughs> Which like, I don't know. I feel like after a certain point when you dated someone like five years ago and he still used talking about, I don't know. Maybe this is that whole thing where, like, this whole friend group is, like, way too intermingled and, like, too physical with each other in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. But like, Oh, 100%. Yeah. If he keeps being like, I love you. You're the one. I'm coming back from Hawaii where my girlfriend left me and I need to get you back after five years. I'd just be like, Steve, I'm not so sure we can hang out anymore. Yeah. Like, at what point is his being around her any different than when David used to follow her around with a literal video camera, you know? Yeah. Where's the line? (laughs) Wherever it is, I feel like both of them have crossed it. Oh, 100%. And yeah, like, you know, Steve talks about all this stuff, how like the weight is going to lift off of his shoulders. We see him show up at the courthouse in like a real nice suit and he runs into Jesse, who's also in a suit. And he's like, yeah, they told me, like, I just have to wear the suit, come in, plead no contest, I'm done. And, like, super excited, basically, like, skipping to the courtroom. Yeah, and and for all intents and purposes, like, he's going to get off scot-free. It's just going to be a little slap on the wrist, a couple things, and then he's fine. And so we go about it. Griffin and Steve both plead no contest. They, you know, kind of go through the process that they were told to do. And then the judge sentenced them exactly what they expect. The 100 hours of community service, the $1,000 fine, two years probation. But here's the kicker. And this is what Griffin could care less about. But this is like Steve's acting like this is his entire livelihood. He's a 20-year-old kid. But they cannot gather, organize, or participate in any parties slash raves or things for two years, which is essentially the rest of their college career. If they stay four years. And Steve is just absolutely outside of his mind upset. 
Oh, yeah. He is crushed. Like, Griffin literally, like, turns around from the judge's bench and just, like, like literally jaunty walk away. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm done. Whatever. A thousand dollars. And Like, cool, cool, cool. We're done. That's it. Bye. Yeah. And, like, Steve is furious and he's talking to his dad and he can't, like, wrap his mind around all of this. And then we find out from Rush that Griffin told everyone that Steve stole the key to the house and it was all Steve's idea. Steve did all of this. He is the one at fault. And like Griffin was going to get off scot-free because he was just an unwitting accomplice. Yeah, because at first, like he thinks Rush sold him out, but then he finds out, no, no, Griffin sold him out. And that changes things. Yeah, and to be fair, Rush, not fantastic. Like, Well, no. When they leave the courthouse, when Steve is so furious and he says, like, I didn't steal this key, Rush is just like, yeah, sure, okay. Which, to be fair, Steve has a history of keys and a history of stealing things. Exactly. So it's, like, not out of the realm of possibility that he wouldn't do that, but, like, he also didn't clue him in on what was happening. Like, he could have told Steve way earlier that Griffin sold him out, and he didn't. Because then, like, Steve could have, or Rush could have gotten all the facts, and he didn't. He just chose to believe Griffin and his father. Yeah, and I mean, when Steve tried to tell him that what Griffin did, like, Griffin lied, Rush is basically just like, next time you need to bail somebody, someone to bail you out, call your mother. And dips. Yep. He gone. And then, apparently, Steve is so mad, he is literally ready to kill Griffin. So he's, like, at the keg house, in Griffin's room, starts threatening him, accusing Griffin of starting the fire because he put the basically, like, the wrong fuse plug in the wrong fuse hole or whatever it is. I don't know things about houses. And <laughs> then he pushes him against the wall, chokes him, tells him if he doesn't move out, if Griffin doesn't move out of the house... He's going to, I forget what he said, but I think he said he was going to squeeze so hard his head would pop off. Yeah. And he's like holding a fist back, ready to punch Griffin in the face while he's holding him up by the throat to the wall. Like, yeah, not a good look for Steve. I do not care how wronged you feel. I don't believe in physical violence. Well, and it's not even just physical violence because he's doing the physical violence. He's literally threatening to kill him. Murder. Yeah, like, no, this is, I don't care that Griffin screwed you over for two years. Like, it sucks. It really sucks. Steve finally found a passion and now it got, like, taken away from him because he did something stupid. Story of our lives with Steve. Yeah. But this is not the way to handle it. No. And also, like, how does he have the authority to make Griffin move out? That was kind of my other thing. Well, because that's the thing. It sounds like he's threatening Griffin with months trying to testify. But the thing is, they've already pled guilty to certain charges. And I don't think that months testifying is going to do anything unless Steve plans to just hold that like little ball in a cup ritual with every single keg member he disagrees with. Right. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I don't understand why Griffin went along with this, but he's just like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever, bye. And, like, Steve is all upset, like, 
I guess Griffin's going to move out. I guess we'll find out about that maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? But then Steve, like, shows up at the um, Maccabee house to drop off a present. But then he's, like, all pouty and is like, I can't stay. And Audrey tries to get him to stay. And then she's like, well, you should really talk to Jesse. And I'm thinking, why? But now I'm glad that she suggested it because they're just chatting about the case, chatting about what happened. And then all of a sudden, Jesse's like, well, hey, let me tell you about my day. And then we didn't really get into it. But like Jesse had been um, had been practicing a little bit of of law and trying to help somebody out who essentially was at risk of losing their children to uh, the foster system. And like he was so like he was trying to get diapers. He was trying to get milk. His his wife had died. He was trying to raise these two young kids and just trusted the wrong person and something bad happened and now he's literally at risk of losing his kids so with all that said now he like took his kids and went back to mexico in order to escape the system and steve goes man the system sucks or something to that effect well and like Jesse tells him that those kids were in foster care for three months, and Steve is like, "Well, it was three months, not two years." And I was like, "You can't throw a party for two years. They got taken from their father right after they lost their mother." It's so glaring the difference, and I'm and I'm glad they did it that way because I think they couldn't leave any room for like gray area with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They had to make it so ridiculous that to to make sure that Jesse's point was well made. Because then Jesse's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, he literally is just like, the system sucks for you. Like, not for, I mean, for, this is, sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Jesse's trying to say, like, he's trying to show him his privilege. You know, he's trying to say, like, you don't understand the system if you think that these two situations are equal. Yeah, I think... I'm really glad that somebody called Steve out on his privilege. I think, you know, I'm trying to remind myself to look at this lens of, like, this show is so white. And, like, we constantly use minority characters to teach the white people about their privilege. And, like, it's not Jesse's issue. Like, yeah, this is not his responsibility to have to teach all these white boys that they have it good. They should know they have it good. And, like, then they brings up this whole idea in my mind of like a model minority like Jesse is a guy who is working to put himself through law school and like doing everything possible to take care of his family and he's a good guy he's trying to be essentially a public defender and then when he's had a really shit day in court he has to go outside and babysit an adult male yeah who's grumpy yeah and unfortunately too many times in like real life that has happened right oh, like yeah. some like like a, a person of color has to educate a white person and i mean i've learned that like given the last 18 months of our current lives like and i mean lord i've learned so many different things over the last year and a half that i should have known earlier right oh, so yeah. i can understand at least them doing it this way i just hate that it is still a thing and that we have people that don't get it and have to be educated by somebody who it's their life, you know? Unlike, I don't know. I just feel like Steve needs to know his privilege by now. Do you know how many times you should have been like, 
expelled from school and got out of it because other white people stepped in. Yeah. Like, no, this is all dumb. And then Steve's episode ends with him at the peach pit giving Eduardo money and then giving him extra money on top of it. And I do feel like, A, Eduardo deserves hazard pay because he was in a fire. Mm -hmm. But, like, it feels weird that, like, Jesse just taught Steve about white privilege, which he should already have known about. And then Steve calls Eduardo and is just like, here's a little extra. Dinata. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, the circumstance kind of sucks because there's money involved. Um, cause he well, does like apologize and he says he's going to recommend him to like other people. He said his food was really great. Like that's good because the point is that Steve needs to realize like he treated, he treated Eduardo like absolute shit because of his situation and because of his privilege, but it gets messy because he still had to make the transaction and yeah. I, I don't know I have a weird complex so with this it struck me as very much like ooh I like this you've apologized but also there's still money here and I don't feel like this is solved well and I just I don't know I think if it didn't essentially come back to back between like this episode or this episode this scene and the whole Jesse being like you don't understand you're a white boy and like everything is fine for you I think it would have been different because I feel like Jesse saying all of that stuff is the only reason that Steve felt like he had to apologize to Eduardo. I don't think he would have done it otherwise, and therefore the apology is tainted to me. Totally. I think what we'll need to see to help that is another situation where he could he could be privileged or he could understand his privilege and act differently or be differently. You know, like I think we'll need to see a pattern before we can like trust that he learned his lesson. You know we won't though. I right? I know, I know. I'm just <laughs> Listen, I try to see the good in people and just hope for the best. I'm I'm sick of all the like shit that happens where people just suck. I just want people to be good. Oh, <laughs> I know. And I mean, like, yeah, maybe Steve learned a lesson. I'm not gonna hold my hopes up. I also find it hilarious and not really in a good way that Steve was like, save me one of those lot cakes. Like Ugh. Bruh. Like another example of somebody being like insensitive about something that like you've known her for so long now and Jude and Judaism her religion is so important to her take the time to understand the word or at least ask first like if you don't know if you're unsure how to pronounce it ask he's yeah. just so willfully ignorant it's annoying exactly yeah exactly and there again lies the white man privilege or just the white person privilege of like being willfully ignorant you don't have to know or you don't have to like care to know because it doesn't affect you yeah no it's like i know we like have to move on <laughs> yeah because i i feel like you know we got ray left and that's gonna be a real fast one yeah and then dylan, for sure. but we'll get to dylan at the very end yeah because, uh, yeah, like, Donna goes to visit Ray at the pumpkin farm, which is now the Christmas tree farm, and he is being a bitch. God, he is the, like, he's super grumpy the entire time. He's complaining. At first, we really just see him being grumpy in general, because he's like, Donna's like, what's wrong? And he's griping about how his his uncle makes all the money while he does all the grunt work. And so he's, like, super salty about all that because he thinks he does more work than his uncle. Bruh, he runs the farm. Yeah. And, like, 
you know, he's complaining about how it's so busy. He's like, I bet my uncle didn't even say hello. And Donna's like, you didn't say hello. And he's like, I don't have time. I have to go do something and just walks away. And then his uncle is just like, you don't know about his mother, do you? It's like, I'm sorry. That's not an excuse. Yeah. He's like literally like, well, you haven't met his mother. You know, he might as well have also called her a piece of work here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is like. Another scene where Donna has apparently been at the Christmas tree farm for a while with Mm -hmm. Ray being such a bitch. And, like, she should have left. She should have had enough self-confidence and, like, self-respect to walk away. But, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. She says something to him about how he's not in the Christmas spirit and, like, why am I even here? And he's like, well, maybe you should have asked first before you opened your mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, his uncle is like, don't take it personally. I think what gets me about Ray, I think I finally figured out like what I don't like about him is that whenever I think maybe I mentioned this actually now that I think about it, he doesn't show a lot of emotion on his face, but he has kind of a resting bitch face if we're being honest. And so I think he's always mad. So then when he's actually mad, I'm like, you're mean. You're a big meanie. Like you're just mean. Well, and I just feel like you know, I, I think this is something you talked about, too, of, like, how you have arguments. Mm-hmm. Like, when Ray is mad, like, this isn't an argument. This is just him being mean to Donna. But, like, this is not how you treat someone you love. And if you care about Donna, like, I think he should have been a lot more upfront with her to be like, hey, I'm going to be working at the Christmas tree farm this season. Like, Christmas is not a good time for me. I'm going to be really grumpy. So, like, if I keep my distance, it's not about you. It's about me. Yep. Well, and even, yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Well, I was going to say, even like she says, or I'm sorry, Ray says, I'm sorry, I'm just tired. And she's like, no, no, I've seen you when you're tired. This isn't tired. Like, you're angry. Tell me what's going on. Yeah, because like, ugh, he's so mean. She brings him food and he's like, no, that tastes like dog shit. Like, he's mean. And then he says, like, he explains, like, my mom drinks a lot during the holidays. Like, it's a, just a really bad time for us. Like, this is when my dad left and he pushed her down the stairs and she miscarried. And, like, Oof. oh, my God. That was way heavier than what I was expecting. And I've seen this before. <laughs> like, dark. And, like, yeah, having that happen on Christmas, I wouldn't like Christmas either. And then your family yeah. owns a Christmas tree farm. I'd be like, yeah, I have to be surrounded by this every single year. And my memories of, like, Christmas when I was four was my dad pushing my mom down the stairs and leaving. Exactly. No, it's a it's a bad, very triggering situation for Ray. And that's fine. Like, I mean, it really, really sucks that that happens to you. I think, like you said, to your point, like, kind of have to clue Donna in or at least just like you said even just say this is a rough time for me I really want you to be here but you probably won't want to so yeah (laughs) there I mean not that Donna makes it better because then she gets really weird and is like the day that your dad pushed your mom down the stairs and left is the exact day I was born It's kind of like I think I mentioned maybe last episode or maybe I just mentioned to you guys casually where I follow that Twitter account that's like technically true. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I I, I guess you're right. Like you you have the same birthday as the day my dad left, but why does that matter? Well, and like, no offense, Donna, but 
y'all have only been together for a few months and it doesn't sound like you're even that close. I feel like if he told her this horrible personal thing and she was like, oh, that was the day I was born. I would have been like, we should break up. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, I'm going to go haggle some trees. Like, uh, what do you do with that? What would Ray have done with that information? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, that's just – that's trying way too hard to put a positive spin on miscarrying. And being physically abused. Yeah. And then as a kid being abandoned and seeing all of it. Yeah. Which, like, again, we know Donna to be a very sunny, disposition, optimistic kind of human, but there, also gotta read the room there. Right? Like, there are times that you don't do that. Like, mm -hmm. when somebody's – even when somebody's just having a bad day and it's just like, oh, my boss, you know, sucks. I hate everything. I'm so grumpy. Like, even just, like, that level, turning to them and being like, oh, at least you have a job. Like, not all – like – no, just sometimes you got to let people process their emotions and not be like, but coincidentally, right? I was born that day. Right. Just be like, gosh, Ray, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That really sucks. I do. You, can I do anything for you? You know, or just leave it at that sucks, Ray. Yeah. And no, that's not <laughs> what they do. No. Yeah, so I still don't know how to feel about Don and Ray. I, I don't understand. I'm assuming they're planting a seed of number one, Ray's temper problem. Number two, Donna meeting eventually Ray's mom. And number three, just like trying to build up their relationship because we've seen them for several episodes now. So it's like, all right, we need to start actually learning things about each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's very like, I don't even want to call it highs and lows. I feel like it's like, a middling hill and then a low and then like we're okay now I kind of like him and then a low like mm -hmm. it's weird yeah 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 uh but on the bright side Dylan got out of rehab woo and Val and Cindy our girl Cindy was there to greet him and that brought picked I guess picked him up and brought him there so that's cute I mean Dylan doesn't even own part of the peach pit anymore, and yet Nat is still there to help him. That's sweet. And I love the idea that, like, Val and Nat apparently got together and were like, we should make his house look nice for him and be, like, welcoming and organize his mail and do dishes for him and get him a little cake. And then Val tells that to Cindy, and you know Cindy grabbed her, like, go bag of cleaning supplies and was like, <laughs> I have been waiting for this day. I've been counting down the days since Dylan told me he was going to rehab. <laughs> She's got an extra gift basket of pine cones ready to go. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> She's baked a full week's worth of casseroles. They're all in the fridge and the freezer. They're labeled. Oh. They've got little sticky notes on them. Like, Cindy is a nurturer, and I just, I <sighs> believe this. I love it. I love that about her. I love it so much. And Dylan seems genuinely, like, happy to see everybody, even Val, which I thought was very interesting. Same. But, like, that is very sober Dylan. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's just a chill dude where he's just like, yeah, I'm cool with you being here. Cut a slice of that cake for me. Let's, yeah. let's get some milk. 
Yeah, he was like kind of adorable, which I was like, oh, thank God Charming Dylan is back. I know. Because he's so charming. And like, yeah, of course everyone's in love with him. Of course. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. So when Val is like, I sorted all your mail out for you, I was like, why does he get so much mail? I know. I wonder if any of it might be Iris. Ooh, that's fair. Because, like, yeah, she was talking about bills and, like, personal mail and all this stuff. And he had, like, a stack of personal mail. And I was like, I think this year I've gotten that many pieces of mail. Right. Yeah. I mostly get junk mail from previous owners that no longer live in my house. (laughs) Same. But, yeah, then he's, like, flipping through and he's like, God, I felt so bad for Val in this moment because he's, like, tossing the (laughs) mail i'm like if that were me i would have been like i just sorted it (laughs) i'd be behind him picking it all back up yep 100 percent. because nate does the same thing he'll like i go through our mail and i put it in a stack of like probably needs to be shred probably needs to just be filed somewhere and then i don't really know what this is so take a look at it and then he just kind of like picks from all the piles and i'm like uh no 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 and then I resort it. But for Val, yeah, she or I'm sorry, for Dylan, he's just like thumbing through, thumbing through. And he gets to one. He's like, who do I know from Michigan? And yeah, apparently some woman has gone through the airport, found Eric's note, which says, Dylan, they're taking me to Brazil. Stuck it in her bag. Left it there for six months <laughs> and then mailed it to him. Did she – she wrote his address on the back side of that note, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why did she sit on it? Yeah, I was – like, once he pulled it out, I was like, how did this woman not contact the FBI? Like, <laughs> yeah. this note makes it sound like she was kidnapped. It's true. Which – But. Kinda. Yeah. They – like, there's some truth to that. I guess on the bright side, Dylan's in a better place that he can handle this information. I just, uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know what he would have done if he was, like, drunk when he got this. He probably would have, like, crumpled it up and threw it away and, like, threw some beer bottles at a wall or something. True. So, like, I was he gonna didn't say, need- Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, I wonder if they, like, this aired during sweeps month or something, so they needed something really cliffhangery. But now it was in December, so... Yeah, because it's even, almost Donna's birthday. Exactly. So I don't I don't even have like that as an excuse. Yeah, it was just so like seriously, if I found that note, I would have immediately like called a tip line and been like, I found this note in an airport and this person seems distressed and it's got an address on the back. Like, I don't know what to do with this, but it feels like someone with authority should take over. Yeah, and it looks like a child's handwriting too, so that's what I mean. Like, if someone's saying, like, they're taking me to Brazil, you have to get this to Dylan. And it's, like, stuck with gum in a stall. Like, it's that thing of, you know, you go to uh, college campuses and bars and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, if you're, you know, if you feel unsafe, you go to the bar and you order whatever, and they'll mm-hmm. get you help. Right. Exactly. Like this, this person felt like they had to go hide in a stall to write a note. All I'll say is at least this is, story is coming back around the mountain and we're going to find Erica, hopefully. I, I hope so. Like, and Cindy's there and Nat's there and Val is there. They're all going to, like, support Dylan while he goes to try and find Erica. 
Yeah, because the difference between now and six months ago, too, that helps is other people know what's going on, right? Other people understand that Dylan is broke and Kevin and Suzanne conned him. So that's another good reason for the note to have appeared now as opposed to six months ago or however long it was ago, you know, because he is not only in a better place to receive the information, but other people know the situation. I know. I'm so excited. Like everything else in this episode made me so mad. Just like toxic environments, white privilege, people not learning anything, cheating on Kelly, all of this stuff. Like I swear, like them ending on Dylan finding the note from Erica just like lifted my heart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I needed it. I get it. It was, it was, it was a heavier episode than I expected. Same. Like I was planning to like get off work, watch this episode, have dinner, whatever. And then like not even halfway through this episode, I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know. Hey, but we got through it. We got through it. And next week we have a Christmas episode. So, you know, those are hit or miss. <laughs> I really <laughs> – I can't live through another season three Christmas episode. <laughs> well, next week's episode is season five, episode 15, Christmas Comes This Time Each Year. That just doesn't sound good. I mean, again, technically true. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't wasn't season three is called like Somewhere in the World It's Christmas or something? Something like that, yeah. Fine. Whatever. I feel like it can't be good after finding out Ray's history in this episode. Like, this isn't going to be a fun Christmas episode, I don't think. Right. That's a good point. I imagine like Ray is going to be all grumpy and whatever and have to go to Donna's house for her birthday. And he's going to be his little grumpy bastard self around her parents. (laughs) Probably. Or Donna's going to meet his mom. Oh, yeah. That could be a good uh, one. I feel like that's really good TV. But why would you introduce your girlfriend to your mom who drinks heavily during Christmas? Right. It's a bad idea, so put it on TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. Ugh. Okay, well, well, we'll get there next week. I'm not totally ready. I really think I have your quote of the week. Oh, you, you both probably do. Hit me. Um, okay. It's Dylan and Brandon. Me thinks you doth protest too much. Okay, maybe I doth. You doth. Mary, what's your thought? <laughs> I said, methinks thou doth protest too much, dash William Shakespeare, dash Dylan McKay. <laughs> you both are 100% correct. That was absolutely, because that was the best one. Like, the best interaction, best chemistry, best quote, so. I mean, of course. It was so good. Uh, Moment of the week was Cindy's cake. Ah, <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. It was it beautiful. Was the only moment. It was the only moment that could have been. Mm-hmm. That was this week. We got Christmas next week. I guess if you want to tell us your thoughts on this episode or the Christmas episodes, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. Yeah, and then let us know 
your more long form thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, <laughs> um, or just anything you want, just say hi, whatever you want to do. And you can email us at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And before I talk about your podcast app, we do have some Instagram stuff. So first of all, uh, Casey Okoro, I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope I'm not butchering this. Left us an Instagram comment on last week's episode and says, couldn't wait for you guys to cover this episode because lesbians. Which, girl, if that is not the theme of this entire show. (laughs) I feel like I have been validated by someone just being like, they got exactly what they wanted. (laughs) Exactly. Oh. I mean, I hope you also like the episode. I'm just also glad that you were excited to hear about lesbians just as like we were. <laughs> and then, yeah, she reminded us that we did celebrate Kelly's birthday in season three when she OD'd on the diet pills, which was the perfectly perfect episode where she didn't like being called perfect. Yeah. So we like, just totally forgot that. It. I totally forgot it. And then her reminding us of it was what made me think in this episode when Brandon says she looks perfect. I was like, no, no, we don't like that word. Yep. And then also we got an Instagram like an Instagram message that was a video and she said that the Walsh house and Dylan's house are like five houses down from each other. <gasps> cool. Right? I was like, "Oh man, I have to go." Like she said they're in Pasadena and not in Beverly Hills. And I was like, "I mean, of course we'll like we can find these addresses. I have to go see them. And like, I just love the idea. That's amazing. And also hella convenient. <laughs> right? I mean, like, it totally makes sense that they would like film these locations like right next to each other to save effort. Mm-hmm. But I just love it so much. Me too. So, yeah. If you guys, you know, you can send us messages. You can send us emails. You can leave us Instagram comments. We love it all. But we really love when you go into your podcast app and you rate and review and subscribe because that really helps us to get seen and it helps build our community. And if you leave us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout out. We sure will. So yeah, until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to Andrea's house for some lot cakes. I'm frantically picking up all of Dylan's mail. And I'm alive. That's what matters, right? Bye. Bye. See ya.